Hello, podcast legends. We're back for another episode today. Thought I'd jump on and do an entire episode on arm pump. Haven't chatted about it for a while. Popped up a post on my Instagram the other day and always seems to drum up a little bit of controversy, the old arm pump topic. Everyone that's ever ridden a dirt bike, I'm sure, has experienced it. And when you've experienced something, you tend it's it's pretty easy to develop an opinion on it. So today I thought what I would do, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of, of debunking different opinions. All I'm going to do, what I, what, I, what I want to do today is share with you some value and some tangible, actionable steps that you can take away to help improve it for yourself if it's something that you struggle with. Because I, as a rule, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but as a rule, like my clients are not ringing me up. Uh, it's not a conversation I'm having uh, that they're suffering from arm pump. Now that doesn't mean they're never ever going to get it, but the way we train, arm pump is not an issue for our clients, generally speaking. So that my clients range from the best of the best in GNCC and AOIC racing all the way down to clubmen, vet riders, and even juniors. And arm pump's not really an issue. So I'm gonna try and keep it as short and sweet as I can and just share with you guys some, some actionable steps that you can put into place and, and hopefully get some, some progress within your own training and riding if it's something you're dealing with. So a couple of things we're gonna go over. Most, we'll just discuss what it is. Most common question I get and what people want to know is how can I stop it? So we'll go through, again, I'm just going to share with you what uh, our clients are working on, generally speaking, in their, their training program. So the way I look at arm pump, if you understand how a muscle is meant to work, a muscle, and this goes for any muscle in the body, as much as our, our quads, our hamstrings, our glutes, as it is as it is the muscles in our forearms and our grip, for them to work optimally, they want to be working in a contract and relax scenario. So when the muscle contracts, it requires blood to be sent to the muscle from the heart, and when it relaxes, that blood returns back to the heart. Now, obviously, that's a fixed loop, there's no, there's a fixed amount of blood in our body, so there's no extra can get added in. So if there's not enough blood coming back to the hype, it pulls up in our arms, then we're going to experience that pump situation. And, and that occurs when there's an isometric hold, like as you would, would all have heard, like that death grip in the bars. So Essentially, like when you break it down to the, the most simplest form, that well, that's how I see or how I view what actually causes arm pump is death gripping the bars. And when there's an isometric hold in the forearms and the grip that's absolutely locked on in a max effort, then they're gonna pump up. So it's the same if you did went and did a wall sit. Imagine if you went and did a wall sit against a wall now, most people that I've ever had do a wall sit somewhere between two to three minutes, they're gonna fail. 
their quads will start shaking and they'll, they'll fail. They can't go any longer because of that exact scenario that we're talking about. It's, it's not even that intense a wall sit, but it's still an isometric hold. Um, so when you think of that scenario, how that's meant to work, ideally what we're aiming to do to overcome arm pump is not to end up in that scenario where we're death gripping and hanging onto the bar. So we'll go through, there's so many things that can affect that, so many things that can affect and cause us to overgrip the bars when we're riding. So we're gonna work through um, some of those things and again, give you some tangible steps to put into place. But at the end of the day, you can do all of these things and you can still go out and get arm pump potentially if you ride around death gripping the bars. You could do none of these things and not get it because when you go out on the bike, you're completely relaxed and you're not death gripping the bars. We've all got, know that guy who can not ride, not train, come out and smash out a moto and not get arm pump. And then there's guys out there who are as fit as anything, as strong as anything, still get arm pump. So there's no, anyone that tells you there's a supplement that's gonna fix it, there's a freaking thousand dollar massage tool that's gonna fix it, it's bullshit. It is 100% bullshit. Nothing is gonna fix it apart from you not death gripping the bars. That's the only thing that's gonna fix it, is, is, is us not death gripping the bars. So the first thing that I thought I would touch on, the first thing that can influence it is mindset. And this is the reason I put this at the start is because so many people I speak to have this belief in their head that they get arm pump. I, I hear so many people I say, I just, I always pump up in that first moto or, or I'll, I'll pump up in that first 30 minutes of the cross country, then, then I'll, once I warm up, I'll loosen up, I'm good. I'm, I can, then I can get into it and sprint for the rest of the race. So when you have that belief in, you ha in your head, you tell yourself a story and the stories we tell ourselves create our reality. That's a pretty basic concept. If you're going to the track and you're telling yourself, yeah, you know, like I always get arm pump. I always get arm pump in the first motor or I always get it in the first half hour. Pretty good chance you're gonna get arm pump, no matter what else you do. So if if you're one of the one of the people that's listening to this that has a rough time with arm pump, and this probably sounds a little bit woo-woo, but honestly, the first thing that needs to change is you need to be open to the fact of changing that belief. So you need to change that belief in your head and change that story that you're telling yourself to, I don't get on Because that's, like me personally, that's that's the story I tell myself. That's the belief I have in my head. Like, I don't get on pump. I can, I've been riding dirt bikes for 30 years and I can remember two or three occasions that I've actually had arm pump. So again, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm immune to it. doesn't mean I'm never gonna get it, but it's that rare a thing for me that I'm 100% confident when I go to the track, the story I'm telling myself, the belief I have in my head 
is I don't get up. So it doesn't happen. So that's number one thing that needs to change if you want to get on top of arm pump. Now, obviously, what helps you change those beliefs is putting the action steps in place, which we're going to go through um, within your training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's going to help you change those beliefs. But number one is you need to be aware of that story you're telling yourself, and then you need to change. We need to change it. So that sort of feeds into the second part of mindset, and that is confidence. Like it's a it's a massive thing that can influence um, death gripping the bars and riding tight and having tension in excessive tension in, in the body is our confidence and our comfort. How do we feel? Um, a couple of people commented this when I put the question thing on my Instagram story, and it's it's definitely and it, it's definitely a massive influence. And that's again why I've put these couple of things at the start. Again, you can be fit, you can be strong, you can have all those things dialed, but if you go to the track and your setup's off, or the track might be wet and you're a little bit hesitant, you're, you're lacking a little bit of confidence, or you had a fight with your, your partner in the morning, or you had a fight with someone in the pits before the race, or whatever that might be, and, and you're a bit jacked up and there's tension in your body, that can manifest into tension on the bike. And whenever we have tension or whenever there's a lack of confidence, that can build into tension. And whenever, whenever there's excessive tension and we're riding tight, again, it just manifests into death grip in the bars. So we need to be 100% confident in our bike setup. All of those little things that play into that, the comfort level on the bike. And essentially that comes down to our feeling the feeling between our tires and the track. How confident are we that 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 grip level is there? Because when it's not, when we're like, oh, I don't know, oh, is it gonna, is it gonna wash out, or oh, is it gonna, is it gonna tuck the front? That creates tension, and we ride tight. Whenever, whenever, when you're coming into a, a turn and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm just gonna bury this thing. You ride loose. You calm. You breathe. Whenever you're coming into that corner, you're like, oh, oh, I don't know, oh, I might, might tuck the front. It creates tension, and we're going to ride tight. So, again, so many things play into that: grips, bar bend, um, tires, suspension setting, the conditions on the track, all of those things. And again, being confident and being comfortable comes back to how well you analyze things in your training. When you go into the track doing your motos, are you coming away from every session going, okay, I learned something today. I tested that new tire, or I tested this new setting in these conditions, or I tested this gearing, whatever it might be. Um, the more dialed you have your setup, then that equates to confidence on race day. When something happens on race day, whether it's weather or whether um, they didn't rip the track and it's hard packed or they did rip it deep and it's rutted. If you have a setting, you've tested it and you're like, okay, the track's like this. I put this setting, this is the setting I need to run. This is where my sag needs to be. These are my clickers. This is the tire. I'm good to go. Then that breeds confidence. When you're like, oh fuck, I don't know. I haven't ridden in 
deep ruts before. I haven't ridden on hardback before. I don't know what, what settings run. That, that doesn't breed confidence. That's, it's the opposite of what we want. So again, so many things. Um, a story I, I like to share, I think it was 2019, I'm pretty sure it was pre-COVID. Eli Tomac at Washougal Pro Motocross absolutely decimated everyone. Went out there, checked out, rode away from the field for two 30-minute motos. Next, this is when he was on the Cowie. Next weekend, I'm pretty sure it was Millville, I think. I could be wrong. The track was ripped so deep that there was like 15 ruts in every corner. There was ruts down the straights, ruts on the up ramps. It was just like super technical track. He definitely hole-shotted the first motor. I can't remember if he hole-shotted the second one, but he was up there anyway. And he dropped like a rock. Like that first moto, he got the hole shot on Ken Roxon. The weekend before, he rode away from the field and gapped everyone, won by like 30 seconds. That track, he went out there, you could just tell he wasn't comfortable. He was riding tight, he wasn't flowing the track. Dropped, dropped anchor. I think, I think he didn't even podium. He was like fifth or seventh place. Just dropped like a rock. So that's what I'm getting at. Like you can be the best rider in the world, the fittest rider in the world. You can still go out on race day and lack confidence and not be comfortable in your setup. And that can manifest itself into tension and riding tight and death grip in the bars. Pump up straight away. So those two things like Mindset, being aware of our beliefs, and then confidence and comfort, and and confidence in our in our setup on the track, so important, super important. Another next little thing that I wanted to touch on that's again it kind of plays into that confidence and comfort, and it's a honestly it's a super simple win for most people is riding technique. So a few people commented on that post that I put up again on Instagram that that was one thing that's made a huge difference for them is arm pump. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's made a huge difference with their arm pump and not getting it is riding technique. And I would have to say again that I'd agree 100% with that. Um, having a good solid attack position on the balls of the feet, gripping the bike down at the foot pegs, and then most importantly is the chin over the bar pad thing. If you can have a nice, pretty neutral core and be hinging forward at the hips, whether you're seated or standing and use that bar pad as a reference point and you wanna have your chin over that bar pad for the most part, like obviously we're moving around on a dirt bike, but when, you're, when your chin is in line with, with the foot pegs and you're hunched over, You've got no other option to hang onto that bike when you wrap that throttle on. You've got no other option but to grip hard with your grip. Now, obviously, when you've got good riding technique, you're still using your grip. Like, you can't ride the bike with no hands. We're still using our grip all the time. But if you think of it from a capacity level, the more you have to use the grip, then the harder, like, the harder you have to grip the bars, the closer you're going to be to your maximum threshold, your maximum capacity. So the, 
the more that happens and the longer that happens, then this death grouping scenario tends to rear its head. So again, we wanna be, we're obviously gripping the bars all the time, but whenever we get a chance coming in under breaks, over a jump, etc., we wanna be relaxing that grip as much as possible. And then when we are accelerating hard out of a corner, we wanna be hinging forward at the hips, chin over the bar pad. So yes, we're obviously still using our grip, but we're not relying it on it 100% to hold our 80 kilos or whatever our body weight is when that bike's trying to go away from us um, at a massive, massive rate of knots. So I've, that is one thing, like if we're talking about things that can fix it instantly, like I have coached clients on the bike that have fixed their arm pump within 15 minutes from that one very thing. Like they've they've had, they've been like behind the foot pegs, hunched over. We simply work on their attack position, gripping the bike with their feet, hinging at the hips and having their chin over the bars, fix the arm pump. So again, it's not always a, a one, there's not one thing that can fix it. Um, look at Eli Tomac, he's a freaking pro. He's got pretty good riding technique. He still gets arm pumped sometimes. So, but again, if you're looking for low-hanging fruit, it's something super common I see. Most most like clubmen, off-road dudes, even like C-grade, B-grade motocross riders, riding techniques like super low-hanging fruit. So it'd be well worth going, finding a coach that's in your local area that's, that's good with riding technique and spending a couple hundred bucks and a few hours with someone like that because you'll get massive, massive gains out of that. Um, so we've touched on mindset, touched on riding technique. The next one, is, and the, the, I guess the biggest, most important that I see is, is how we train, like how we train our grip. Now, some people out there have this belief that we want to avoid training our grip um, because any sort of upper body training, any sort of grip training is going to influence or going to cause the arm bump to actually be worse. Again, speaking from experience and the results I've had with hundreds of my clients, that couldn't be anything further of the truth, further from the truth. Our clients are most definitely training their grip. Um, they're not doing any isolation work. Like I think some people, when they envisage upper body training in the gym, they envisage some bodybuilder doing tries, buys, and flies for to failure. That's not how we do it. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that, but you want it the way I look at it is thinking of your grip from a capacity level. So I'm sure a lot of you guys that are listening to this would be into your cardio training, perhaps your cycling, um, heart rate zone training. You would understand that if you come straight off the couch, you've never trained, and you try and ride a dirt bike around a track as fast as you can, you've got a very low level of cardiac output, you've got a very low 
lactate threshold, you're gonna gas out really quickly because you're going to be operating at or above your threshold of the capacity that you've developed. Now, if you do six months worth of training where you're working on some zone two stuff to build up that aerobic base and you start layering in some, some interval work and working on that intensity, you get that lactate threshold up, you're going to be able to maintain a much higher intensity for longer because your capacity has improved. So our grip is exactly the same. If you're weak, if we have a weak grip, if we, if we don't train it at all, if we don't train our upper body at all, and we have a very low level of grip strength, then when we jump on that bike, even a 250F these days are punching out like decent horsepower, you jump on that bike, whether it's a 250F or a 450, and you wrap that throttle on, doesn't matter how good your riding technique is, we have to be gripping the bars to an extent. So there's some level of force that has to be produced by our grip to hang on to a dirt bike. The, low, the weaker we are, then whatever that level of grip is required to, to hold onto the dirt bike is going to be closer to our maximum threshold. The closer it is to our maximum threshold, the quicker we're going to fatigue and our arms are going to blow up. So that's the way I look at it. If you've got a higher level of grip, if you've got a really strong grip, then you're not going to have to grip the bars as hard as the version of yourself that has a really weak grip. So it's definitely not something to be avoided training the grip, but we want to do it sensibly. Like, I'm, like I said before, we want to be improving our capacity of our grip. We do that training mostly compound movements. So horizontal push, pull, vertical push and pulling. So compound movement means a multi-joint movement. So we're using more than one joint at a time. So an example of that is like a bicep curl. That's an isolation movement. If you look at a pull-up, if you do a pull-up or a chin-up and you look at the position you're in at the top of a pull-up or a chin-up, you're pretty much doing a bicep curl at the top of a pull-up or a chin-up, but you've also moved your shoulder through its full range of motion in that, in that um, vertical pulling range. So we, that's how we do it. We don't train muscles, we train movements is, is, the, is the same. So for the most part, again, this is the, the meat and potatoes, I suppose you would say of our upper body training is we're training horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull. We very rarely do any isolation type work. Not saying we don't do it. We definitely do if someone's had a shoulder injury uh, that they're rehabbing. Even in some of our warm-up, we, we put some what I consider sort of prehab exercises. I might put some of that sort of lower intensity isolation type work, like some external internal rotation work for the shoulders, some rhomboid sort of work um, into warm-ups, things like that. But generally speaking, the meat and potatoes of our upper body strength training is just training movements, not muscles. Horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull, three to five sets, low reps, like five to eight reps. Eight on the high end, 
five on the low end, generally speaking. And we're using a load that's around about in that eight RPE scale. So when we get, what that means is when you do eight reps, you get to that eighth rep and you feel like you could maybe do two more reps. If you, if you use an eight RPE on five reps, then you, you're using a load when you get to your fifth rep, you could maybe do two more reps. So generally speaking, the loads are pretty heavy. We're not doing like 15 to 20 rep sets of tricep pull downs or tricep kickbacks or, or these lat pull downs, these types of exercises. We're training compound movements, low volume, heavy loads and improving our grip strength. We're not avoiding training our grip strength. So obviously this becomes a part of our training. I'm not gonna get a client to do like, to do five sets of 10 pull-ups like five minutes before they jump on their dirt bike. As you wouldn't do a set of heavy squats like before you're gonna jump on your dirt bike. It's going to be performed as part of your strength training and it's going to be periodized around the riding that you're doing on your bike. So again, if we think about how the muscle is meant to work, that contract, relax scenario, when we train, the, we train upper body movements, then we are training the muscles to do exactly that. Contract, relax, supply blood, draw it back to the heart, just as it is required to do when we are riding a dirt bike. It's pretty simple. So the other ways we, we're training our grip are like obviously a pull-up is very grip dominant. Then like lower body-wise, like deadlifting, RDLs, um, any sort of split squats with dumbbells that are also what training the grip. Um, farmers carries, we, we get in there on occasion. So we're mixing all of that into our strength training. And like I said, obviously that's periodized around our riding. And we're, we're, our clients are improving their grip strength. They're definitely not avoiding training their grip strength. And like I said, my experience with my clients, I'm not getting phone calls on Monday morning from people saying, fuck, my arm flew up. If ever I have a client get arm pump. It's very, very rare occasion that it happens. So the, the, the phone calls I am getting is from clients who aren't training strength properly. And within six to eight weeks, they're ringing me up saying, geez, man, I can just like, I can ride. I don't get arm pump anymore. I can ride my dirt bike for longer, harder, etc., etc." So take it with a grain of salt. But again, I'm just sharing with you the result that what we're doing and, and the results our clients get. So the training side of it, outside of what we're actually doing within our strength training, two other things. One comes to comes back to sort of on the bike side of it, and that is doing a warm up before you ride. Again, heaps of people will say that they always blow up in that first moto or the first part of the race. I'll always ask them, what are you doing for a warm up? like uh, nothing, <laughs> it's super common, people don't warm up. Um, you go out in that second motor, you feel good, you feel loose. So it's gonna be a little bit different for everyone, but again, you wanna be doing 
as long a warm up as you have time for. Like I'm a fan of something around about 15 minutes. So the first sort of eight to 10 minutes of that would just be low intensity cardio. If you had a skipping rope, if you had a spin bike, awesome. If you don't, just go for a jog. Go for a jog down the track for, for five or so minutes. Low intensity, get the heart rate up, get the blood flowing. Then I'm a fan of like just doing some light upper body work as well as some, some lower body, like some split squats, um, push-ups, banded pull-aparts, um, and maybe like some light plyometrics, like some, some vertical jumps on the spot, something like that for, for two to three rounds. Super basic warm-up that's going to get the blood flowing. Um, it's If you're going from zero to 100%, like you're asking to... to to blow up and not just get arm pump, but just struggle in general for the first part of your race. Cause there, there's your heart, once it figures out that activity is happening, that there's physical activity going on, it's got to kind of catch up. So if, if that's happening to you on the first part of the race, the first lap of the race, then that's not an ideal scenario. So that's another super simple piece of low hanging fruit is do a really good warm up before you start your race. Ideally, it's as, as close to the start as possible. Obviously, that doesn't always happen. What I tell my clients in that situation is, do your proper warm up as close as you can to the race, and then if there's a hold up and you get stuck on the line for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is, then you just need to try and keep moving, like doing some body weight stuff um, on the start line before you take off try and maintain that warm-up and not sort of go go back to to where you were before you started it. Other than that, and this is another super important one, is mobility and stretching. So we do a lot of mobility work in our programming. I don't really like to me mobility training is strength training. Like Proper mobility training does does include stretching, like passive stretching, like that most people would would kind of um, know it as. We definitely do lots of that sort of passive static type stretching. But if you think of a, a passive or a static stretch, it's really like the lowest level strength exercise that you could do because you're you're like you're loading your muscle in the end range of motion in an isometric hold. So it's kind of like the lowest level of strength training you could ever possibly do is hold yourself in, in a passive stretch in an isometric hold. So we then we also want to be incorporating like loaded mobility and, and moving through those full ranges of motion under load. So that's what I consider um, proper mobility training. And essentially that just comes down to ticking all the boxes within your strength training program. So for the upper body, like mobility wise in the upper body, st stretching and performing movements overhead where your lats um, and triceps uh, are getting stretched out, super important. Like a real easy one for that is just doing a passive hang. Um, and then another area that we work on a lot 
is just the wrist and the finger extensors. So doing some simple wrist mobility and some finger push-ups that are gonna like push your wrist back and open up all those muscles through the forearms and the extensors in the hands, etc. Um, we've got a few different exercises we use. I might actually do a little video on my Instagram story in the next couple of days, um, going through a couple of them. They're super basic, super simple, but I, I did have someone comment on, my, on the Instagram post who didn't agree with me that training grip would help arm pump because he was a brickie and he has really awesome grip strength as you would being a tradie. Um, I work with lots of lots of my clients are tradies that have super strong grip already. So if you've already got super strong grip, then that's awesome. You, it's obviously it's not going to be a weakness for you. So you're not going to have to do any extra dedicated grip training in your strength program because you're already going to have a really high level of grip strength. In that situation, for someone like that who is a brickie and you're using your grip a lot in that clench, like you're closing your grip up a lot, um, you're gonna have your weakness is probably more of a mobility issue. You're, like, you're gonna actually have to do more stretching and more of the mobility work to open things up. You're spending so much time with your, and this is again, this is super common for lots of people, not just brickies, but any sort of tradie and Again, anyone that rides a dirt bike, think of riding a dirt bike, you're gripping the bars. People love to go cycling, mountain biking, you're gripping the bars. Like pretty much everything we do in life, we spend a shitload of time with our grip closed up. So what with your mobility, what you want to be thinking is the opposite of that. How can we get into that opposing range, open our hands and our fingers and our wrists right up and stretch all of that out? So that that would be if I had a client come to me and he was a brickie and he said arm pump was giving him grip, giving him grief, then that would be where I'd start. I like my clients that do have a job that involves a high high use or high level of grip strength and grip endurance, I'd have them doing that every single day. So every night when you get home from work, you're doing that wrist mobility and opening those hands up might only be five, five minutes a day, but we're stretching that out and just trying to counteract. Like it's, it's the same for anything. It's the same for lower back pain for someone that sits in a chair all day at work. What are you gonna have to do? Or someone that cycles all the time, their hip flexors are tight. We need to stretch your hip flexors out and we need to, we need to open them up because you're spending so much time sitting down or so much time cycling that your hip flexors are so tight we need to spend just a little bit of time each day opening them up so we can get it to progress a little bit. Same with our grip. So that would be where I would start with someone like that. If you, if that sounds like you, like if you've already got super strong grip, um, that doesn't mean that you, you still won't train it. Like you'll still train those compound movements, but in your training, but obviously like your grip's not going to be a weakness. Like it's pretty easy to tell if someone's got a weak grip. If you can't sort of deadlift one and a half times your body weight in a normal hook grip, if, you're, if your grip's starting to let go or 
if you're not into deadlifting, and a real simple one is to do a passive hang. So just hang off a bar, like a bar that you would do pull-ups on. Just hang off that bar passively. You should be able to get at least two minutes. If you've got good grip strength, then, and honestly, most guys that ride moto should have a good level of grip strength and should be able to hang off that bar for two minutes. If you're like nowhere near two minutes, then you've got work to do. Like you need to get your grip stronger. Um, so that's a super simple test you can do. I'm guessing, old mate, who's a brickie, if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you could do a two minute passive hang like a piece of cake. So again, it's not gonna be a, weak, a weakness for you. So like your grip is not your weakness. Your weakness would be mobilizing your forearms and stretching your wrists and your hands out. Um, and then everything else that I've spoken about, relaxing on the dirt bike. If you're spending a shitload of time with your grip clenched, I'm guessing when you get on a dirt bike, you're doing exactly the same thing. So you need to be able to relax your grip um, and all of those other things that we've spoken about, putting all of them into place as well. Um, one more thing that was a question that someone sent in on the Instagram thing before we wrap it up is nutrition. Someone commented and said that Mitch Evans says sugar before races gives him arm pump. So I'm probably, well just firstly, everyone's probably seen the arm pump diet guy. He pops up on everyone's feed that he's selling his freaking diet program that, and I haven't actually bought it, but I've had several people who have, I know several people who have, and apparently he's just spruiking like a keto diet. He reckons that you wanna be removing all carbs from your diet and, um, until right before the race, I'm pretty sure is what he says, like having sugar before the race will act, but not having any glycogen build up in your muscles will um, cure arm pump. Again, I reckon it's bullshit personally. Um, and I would say if Mitch reckons that sugar gives him arm pump, come back to point number one, beliefs. He's just got a belief in his head that he does that he gets arm pump if he has sugar right before the race. So if that's the belief he has, then again, pretty pretty good chance that that's the reality he's going to create. So physiologically speaking, there's no real evidence to back that up. Um, I've like all of my like having sugar is an essential part of fueling endurance activity at, at high intensity. Like, yes, there's ultra runners out there that run like at a lower intensity that, that use fat for fuel. There's absolutely no evidence in research that says it's actually any better. Like they've done studies into it. It's, there's no benefit to doing the low carb keto thing. Um, so to fuel those high intensity efforts, then we need to be having some sort of carbohydrate and, and, and glucose source coming into the body. So again, all of my clients 
are using, like at the end of the day, it is just sugar, whatever it, that, whatever form it comes from, whether it's a supplement in powder form or a gel or a lolly or whatever it is, they're including that in their race nutrition as part of a, like a, say a three hour cross country or in between sprints. Again, they're not getting an arm bump. So again, it just kind of comes back to, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying that that's his reality. He's, he's got that belief and he's, everyone's got their own thing that they do. And that, that's why I said at the start, like everyone's got their opinion on it. So if that's what Mitch does and it works for him, then got good on him. Go like, go your hardest, bro. I don't care. But I'm just sharing with you guys what, what my clients are getting, what, it, what gets them results. I'm definitely not telling them to avoid sugar before a race. Um, they're including it in whatever form it comes in and not getting up. So that probably covers it all. Quick recap, beliefs, need to be aware of them and need to be open to changing them. Being aware of it's first step, like what's the story you're telling yourself around it? Two, are you aware, uh, are you open to that actually changing? To change that belief, we need to put the action steps in place. So all of those little things that I've just been through, which is confidence and comfort on the bike, like how confident are we? How comfortable are we in our setting, in the, in the training that we've done, like that's what practicing is about. Remember like when we go to the track to practice, we're not just going to spin mode, like some of it is of course, like we're going there to have fun with the boys, but we, the more confident we wanna be on race day, then the more confident we need to be in our bike setup and all of those things. And like I can tell you, that's my clients, my best clients who are winning at the highest level, that's the biggest difference apart it's just consistency. They've not only have they been training um, for so long and so consistently, so they're yes, they have a high level of physical output, but they also just have a shitload of experience. And the more experience you have and the better you are at analyzing that, then the more confidence you're gonna have on race day that you know you've got what it takes whatever the track throws at you, whatever the conditions throw at you, you've experienced it before and you know how to overcome it. Pretty simple. So for you, if you're a beginner, if you're new to racing, if you've only been riding for a few years or you've just never given a shit about it, <laughs> um, that's, that's some serious low hanging fruit there, is getting all those things dialed in when you're practicing. So when you get to the race, you can be calm, you can be confident and you can be comfortable. Pretty simple. Then obviously training. We definitely don't want to be avoiding training our grip. Compound movements, three to five sets, five to eight reps, heavy loads. Doing a really good warm up before you get on your bike. And then obviously like the mobility and, and stretching. Um, we definitely want to be mobilizing and stretching out like the entire body. But again, if you've got a job where you're using your grip heaps, um, after you go riding, do a big motos on the bike, then stretching them out, like stretching the forearms out, doing stretching the extensors out. That's going to be again some serious low hanging fruit. So they're the they're the biggest ones. 
Um, hopefully there's something in there that can give you some, some actionable steps to put into place, like to try um, and, and get some improvements from. Oh, writing technique, like I obviously didn't put that, in, I didn't put that in the recap, but that's the other super important one is, is writing technique. Like that can play a huge role in it. Um, like I said, there's no one thing that's gonna fix it. There's lots of little things that's gonna allow you to be more confident, more comfortable on race day um, or at the track, whenever it is, even if it's practice session. Um, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for confidence. We're looking for comfort and we're looking for calmness. When we're calm and confident and comfortable, then we can ride like that. When we're not confident, when we're uncomfortable, there's gonna be tension. Whenever there's tension, we're death gripping those bars and how well I'm pumped. So hope there's something for you in there. If you've got any questions, shoot them through. Instagram's the easiest place to get hold of me. Um, got my new website up now, which has been up for a little while. If you've listened this far and you wanna check out um, my website with some different training options there. It's racereadyoffroadcoaching.com. I've got our training program options there that you can check out. Um, but yeah, any questions, shoot them through on Instagram and we will see you all on the next one.